Welcome everyone to Overcome Podcast episode 31. Uh, it's been a long way to be here today to talk with my friend Jonathan Irizarry. Thank you very much for being here today, my friend. Hey, it's my pleasure, brother. I appreciate you uh, having me on. Yeah, absolutely. So, as we talk about overcoming, uh, people that see you nowadays, huge, you know, fully developed, they sometimes uh, take it for granted how long it took for you to get there, right? So let's go from the beginning and uh, let's go from the beginning and uh, tell us a little bit more about what you really had to overcome to, to get uh, into this shape. Is is more about genetics? Is more about hard work? Is a combination of both? Uh, what what really you think it takes more to develop oh, on, uh, in this stage? Um, definitely a combination of both. Um, nothing is going to allow you to get to this position, you know, where I've kind of reached physically without having good genetics for bodybuilding. But the aspect of hard work and, and consistency over, you know, extended years um, cannot be discounted. You know, I started bodybuilding, working. I've been, I've been weight training and just training my body since I was like 12 years old. You know, I was a kid. I remember my mother uh, taking me to 24-hour fitness every day, you know, during the week, and I'd be stuck in the kids' club, always wishing that I can be out there, you know, working out. And then as soon as they were able to, you know, give me a uh, a, a gym membership, I signed up immediately. It's like the bare minimum age. Um, so yeah, I started very young. Even prior to that, I was involved in like boot camps and stuff with you know some of the high schools that actually host these boot camp boot camps for the kids in in uh, elementary and middle school and mm. it was just like you know having us do 100 push-ups 100 sit-ups you know mile long runs things like that and i was always involved in this so you know just the physical aspect of training my body um it's something that i've you know enjoyed since i was a kid and you're touching a very important point, which is consistency. And uh, as a coach, you probably see a lot of your clients. Uh, some will be very successful, some will not be. And probably the ones that are not is because they are not able to put the work in a consistent manner, right? Yeah, totally agree. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, you'll know, you'll see those who, uh, who check in consistently, you know, are providing feedback, communicating with you are usually the ones that are going to be the ones that are, you know, making the most progress and getting what they want out of the process um you know uh and i get it it's a lot a lot of this is mental you know it's hard to be able to shift from you know one particular lifestyle uh you know i would we, we can call it the american way you know the westernized you know food that we've all been you know kind of indoctrinated into consuming on a daily basis um mm -hmm. it's hard to be able to shift away from that and get into a more healthier lifestyle you know, this is why, like, my main approach with a lot of the, um, you know, the lifestyle clients that I take on, it's, it's to incorporate, you know, tracking macros and getting them to understand food from a different, different perspective, so that they don't necessarily say that there is good or bad food. Although I do believe that there is good or bad food. Um, mm -hmm. You know, we have to kind of be able to take away that sort of mindset and context when it comes to nutrition, so that they can ease their way into, you know, consuming. Um, better quality food on a, on a more consistent basis. And that's going to be the really the chunk of it all. Um, because if you're not consistent, if you're, if you're not in tune with your body, then the likelihood of you being able to maintain something for an extended period is, is very slim. 
Yeah, true, true. And and when I met you, I met you in 2011 at Metroflex Plano. You were already big uh, yeah. 10 years ago. Yeah. Uh, so when do you actually started gaining uh, muscle mass? It took you some years to get uh, on that size? Uh, yeah. Because I, I didn't know you before 2011, so I've yeah. never met you small. <laughs> that was, so I, I, 2011, I did the collegiate nationals. So I had won, you know, I won, I weighed in at 223. So I was a little bit smaller than obviously than I am now. Um, you know, but I was, that's not small by any means. Uh, I had been mm -hmm. prepping and, you know, I did my first show at 16 years old. So 2007, no, sorry, 2006 was the very first bodybuilding show that I ever did as a teenager. Um, you know, so I had already been competing for five years even wow. at that point when I first met you, you know, so my body had been able to progress over time, you know, and, uh, especially after my teenage years and, you know, my kind of, my body started taking shape and, but even then, like my, my physique now compared to then is much, you know, much more complete. You know, yeah, so. more mature, more complete, as you said. So uh, before you've done the first competition when you were 16, how many years were you training at that point? Uh, so, I man, mean, training was... like seriously. Yo, seriously, I've been training for a year. So I started. So the, this is all random, man. And, I, you know, I believe in angels, messengers, you know. Uh, God just puts people in your way to, you know, to drive you in a particular direction. And that's who this person was. Um, I had been standing outside the gym one day. When I was 15 years old, I remember it was the middle of August because it was right before the Southwest USA. This is actually, yeah, it was still the Southwest USA before they changed it to the Europa. Um, I've been standing outside wearing a tank top like this, and you know I'm probably like hmm, 170 pounds, you know, at the time. <laughs> But this guy walks up to me. He was like, "Hey, man," you know, introduces himself. I can't remember his name. Um, let's call him Michael. So this guy named Michael walks up and introduces himself and is like, hey, man, have you ever, you know, considered doing bodybuilding? And at the time, like, all I knew was muscle and fitness magazines. My mom had, you know, stacks. We're talking about years of the subscriptions in my in the living room. So I would I would I would uh, I would read those and I would look into it. But it wasn't like me looking at bodybuilding from a com competitive standpoint. I'd been mm -hmm. involved in sports up to that time. So I was towards the tail end of my sports career um at that time i was playing tennis and i didn't really care so much for the tennis coach he was just a bit of an asshole man and we just didn't get along very well so you know i was i was kind of stepping away from him and and, and i kind of needed something to fill in that void at the time and this guy walks up to me at the perfect time um so yeah i decided to go to the show that weekend he was competing didn't see him again like i said uh everyone looks totally different with their tans on so i couldn't recognize him um, yeah. But what intrigued me the most, it was a pro-am, uh, but what intrigued me the most were, were the amateurs, the guys that were, you know, some, you know, people that I could relate to. They were, you know, obviously much smaller size. Um, I wasn't so much into the the pro level uh, of bodybuilding at that time, you know, but obviously your perspective type tends to get skewed over time. The, the mm -hmm. deeper we get, we get involved into it. Um, but yeah, that's what, that's what actually uh, motivated me. You know, I saw that and I was like, wow, like this is cool. Like I've never seen this before. And the first poster I saw for a bodybuilding show the following year was the Ronnie Coleman Classic. That's whenever, you know, bodybuilding wasn't, you know, it's uh, it was still obviously it wasn't as mainstream as it is today. 
but they still allowed for these shows to kind of get promoted in some of the commercial gyms. Um, so I saw the freaking poster, man, and I was like, dude, I want to do this, you know. And uh, at that time, I actually ran into uh, Ronnie Coleman's best friend, this uh, short little guy. His name, his name is Lee. Um, and he's the one that introduced me to Metroflex Jim Arlington, the OG Jim. Uh, he introduced me to Brian Dobson. So I went over there. Uh, that was the first time I ever went through some posing was with them two. Him and uh, Randy. Randy, he owns the Metroflex Fort Worth. Um, yeah, so this is the OG crowd man over at, over at Metroflex Arlington. That's what got me involved. So I- Then one year later, you competed. Say it again? Then one year later, you competed. Uh, well, yeah, 2006. So when I met the guy, it was 2005. 2006 is whenever I did my first show. I was, I was a junior in high school. Um, I placed fourth out of fifth place in the teen division. Um, had no idea what the hell I was doing. Couldn't pose for shit. <laughs> Uh, but it was, uh, you know, it was, it was a great experience. And me being the competitive person that I am, could not take a loss very well. I was like, you know what? I'm going to come back, sign up again for this next year, and uh, and do it all over again. I ended up winning nice. next year. Yeah. Oh, you end up winning next year? Yeah, yeah. So I did the Europa nice. the following year, and I won the team, and then I got fourth place in the novice. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, and uh, fast forward, how did you get into Metroflex Plano? Man, so so I, you know, I, I ran into to Greg, you know, over the years involved in bodybuilding, um, and then because of Joe Labelle, you know, rest in peace. Uh, Joe Labelle is the guy that uh, had introduced me to Greg, and you know, I got acquainted with him. So whenever I moved over to Dallas. I believe I was 19 at the time is whenever I finally moved up from living in Grand Prairie, Mansfield. Um, yeah, you know, Greg had just opened up the location. So I kind of just dropped in and, you know, Greg has always been, you know, an amazing friend, man. Just gave me the opportunity to go train there, you know, get connected with the guys, Steve Kuklo and, you know, everybody. Yeah. And and that's, man, the, the OG spot, Metroflex Plano was amazing, man. It was great camaraderie. Uh, you know, the hole in the wall, but I mean, the, just the, yeah, the environment was incredible. I loved it. Yeah. And, and, uh, over the years you've been improving a lot. Uh, but I was looking to your competition history unless I didn't find something newer, but it looks like your last competition was 2018. Is that correct? It was the Olympia amateur. 2018. Yeah. I actually did it fully vegan. Uh, yes, I remember that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, man, that was the last one. I was going to compete last year, but obviously, you know, all the shows and stuff started getting canceled. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, this year is the year. This year, we're gonna we're gonna. So, 2018, 2018, you did fully vegan, and okay, so let's talk about that because I remember you evangelizing a lot about this. Um, so, how was your experience, and what really make you? change back uh to your old style you know uh, uh man, nutrition you know um i enjoyed it i felt good i felt fresh i think what what made me transition back was um you know i just i i couldn't i didn't want to allow myself to let you know my nutrition be some sort of religion you know and mm. i felt like that's kind of what what it kind of was and that's not what i what i went down that route for it was more so like you know for me to just experience something different and and the you know the vegan the vegan crowd says that you can look the same and be just as good 
And I didn't believe, you know, after having gone through it for myself personally, and this is not to say that somebody else can't, but for me personally, I didn't believe that I could get the same results. I didn't feel the same. Uh, I didn't hold the same fullness to my muscle bellies. Um, and I don't know, like towards the end there, my, my workouts and training started to kind of suffer a little bit. And it could have been just the fact that, you know, I mean, I tried all, I, I like to experiment, you know, so I, I did definitely experimented with a lot of things. Um, but like towards the beginning, it felt great. I was strong and, you know, I felt like I was, I was, I was still being able to keep up with everything, but towards the end there, I didn't feel the same way. And, um, you know, I don't, I did it for like over two years, almost two years. So after that, how, how was your energy level? Like I felt great. I felt light, you know, but I think just because the other thing was like being able to separate nutrients uh, from one source to another, it just became overly difficult. And then, you know, I love to travel, you know, me, I'm traveling to different countries, you know, I've gone to Bangkok, Thailand, multiple times, uh, Vietnam, uh, you know, I travel to Denmark often, you know, so I'm, 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 I'm everywhere. And, you know, it's just like, I didn't want to, like, it was just difficult to try to like be able to keep up with it, you know, yeah. really. You, you want um, to experience the food where the place you're going. You, exactly. you want to have the freedom to experience that. 100%. I'm very much into cultural things. And and that was another thing. I felt like I was missing out a little bit. Um, and this is not to, you know, to dog anyone that, that goes down this route for their lifestyle. But it just wasn't for me. I feel great. Health-wise, all my health markers have always been good no matter what. No matter what, no matter what, you know, route of nutrition I ever took, it didn't make a difference, you know, for me, uh, just looking at my blood markers and stuff from previous, during the vegan journey and after. So I can't. Yeah, uh, yeah that's a, that is very interesting. Uh, someone, um, uh, many people say that they should look better as a vegan, but uh, you didn't see any difference. I didn't. I actually felt like I look worse, you know, and like, and I can see that my body again, looks different. It has much more fullness, you know, um, and I believe that just the food sources in general play a factor in that, you know, being able to have some really good quality protein sources as opposed to, you know, relying on soy, uh, the plant-based powder, so which I still use, don't get me wrong, um, but it's very limiting. It's very limiting, and I believe that the body just utilizes the animal protein sources uh, much more, um, I guess. You optimal. Say, yeah, much optimal. more optimal. Correct, yeah. correct, exactly. Uh, I was looking at the pictures from 2018 and comparing a little bit with the 2016 North American that you did in 2016. And it, it looks to me that 2016 you were more sharp. Yeah. Uh, so I'm not sure if this is because of the diet, but it was clearly to me that in 2016 you were more sharp and uh, the condition was better. That's another question. Is, is it harder to get uh, that crispy condition under a, a a vegan diet i would say so man because i mean it's like you're like i mean don't get me wrong i've gotten clients shredded in a vegan diet um but it's just the food sources makes it difficult because if you want to go low carb then you know soy is going to be the route right but now you're you're you have it's a fatty source it's a fatty protein source if you want something that's low fat then you'd have to rely on seitan. Seitan is basically pure gluten. I just couldn't see myself consuming gluten 24-7. And then, of course, there's still tag-along carbohydrates. Other sources that you would find are um, 
uh, shoot, man, beans, lentils, things like that, which also have a lot of tag along carbs along with it. So, you know, then you're relying a lot on protein powders, you know, and I like there's a lot of more work. At the end of the day, there's a lot more work to calculate all that and to get it precisely. Yeah, it's just a lot of thinking, man. This, the way we do it now, simple, easy, effective, clearly, you know, it's been, (laughs) there's a lot to, you know, there's a lot of info and, and, and uh, you know, years of, of experience for myself personally, client experience, and just everyone in general, period, uh, can see that, you know, we can definitely make things a lot more optimally done this this way. And I feel great. Yeah. yeah. So uh, um, in 2018, when you, when you did the whole prep vegan, and then it was right after 2018 that you were like, man, I, I will transition back. You did transition back right after the show, or was 2019 already? It was in 2019. It was actually whenever I was in Bangkok because <laughs> so it was uh, just a funny experience man so I only brought about like I think it was like a kilo of protein with me and you know I'm running these shakes all day and I went out to eat with a buddy of mine um, and like after this day he almost refused to hang out with me because it <laughs> took us two hours to find a place to eat some food that I could eat food you know and, and I just and I felt like holy crap this is this is really stupid, you know, and it's like, and I can see how this can ruin friendships and stuff, man, where all we have to do is go to a Korean restaurant across the street and just, you know, eat the food there. Again, just something that was open late at night. And, uh, but no, we had to search and search and search and search. And it was getting to the point it was getting so late. Yeah. He refused to hang out with me again after that. So <laughs> that kind of made me think twice about everything. Um, you know, and then, I was actually meeting up with another friend that I had met out there in, in Bangkok and he was actually vegan for four years and I was like, hey, let's go meet at this spot. He told me no way. He's like, if we're going to link up and get food, we're going to get some sushi. And then I was like, all right, you know what? It's done. I'm getting sushi with you. And then that, that was it. Yeah. <laughs> no, that that's, makes total sense, man. Many for you, as you said, you travel a lot. You want to experience the culture. You want to experience the the dishes from the uh, local dishes. So it may make no sense to drive two hours looking for the same oh, exactly. food that you eat here in America. <laughs> right, exactly. I mean, it, it, I'm not going to lie, man. It's, uh, you know, following this sort of lifestyle, it's, it actually takes away culture, in my opinion. And I'm a big, I'm, a, I'm such a cultural person. I love to experience culture when I visit somewhere. I believe that that is a huge part of the experience of traveling to to other places and getting to know these people more, right? Getting to understand Mm -hmm. like, you know, their lifestyle. Um, And that's a big part of it. Food is everything. Yeah. And it makes life easier. Much easier, much easier. Uh, The the flexibility that you have uh, and you don't have to to count macros because steak is steak everywhere. And so exactly. you you kind of have an idea how much you're eating. It's much easier right. for sure. Hundred percent, hundred percent. And like, I mean, honestly, since then, I've been good. I'm happy. I've been enjoying life, and I haven't had to deal with another experience like that again. Losing a friend <laughs> over some food. <laughs> I mean, he's a good friend, man. So I felt kind of bad. Oh wow! I'm pretty sure that he is very happy that you're back to your oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. old self. Definitely, definitely. We actually went out to eat. We, I, I, because I, I went to Chiang Mai after that, which is like on the northern part of, uh, of Bank, uh, sorry, of Thailand. And then whenever I came back, he finally decided. Then we had a Korean barbecue, and it was nice, nice, <laughs> nice. nice. Uh, 
as you said, you like to do a lot of experiments, right? Uh, uh, is that only on the food perspective or also on the exercise perspective? You know, you or you are more uh, traditional, old school, heavyweight, or do you also believe in in, in low volume and uh, more squeezing the muscle? Do you do you also try different approaches uh, when it oh, comes to training? Hundred percent, hundred percent. So, uh, you know, getting into bodybuilding initially, uh, I was very much into like just the bro split. That's all that I was kind of like, uh, you know, built my knowledge base from reading the magazines and stuff. I didn't really have anyone to really help me. Um, I, you know, I went to school for nutrition, so I didn't go to school for like, you know, kinesiology, exercise science. It wasn't like my biggest thing, although I did get certifications along the way and studied it a bit more. Um, and then, of course, just overall experience, uh, nonetheless, is what has allowed me to to uh, to be able to progress my, my thinking when it comes to training. Um, so I, I hired John Meadows, this was 21. Um, he was the first coach that I ever hired for training and he completely changed my perspective when it came to training. Um, it was more so just like, I was more on the lower volume end prior to that. He actually, he gave me a, the, the programs were much more higher volume, but also, you know, obviously, you know, heavyweight, right? So it was definitely a combination. I would almost say it's like power building per se, because um, you know you're still being able to base your programming off of the basic movements, but um, but you're not straying away from what bodybuilding is, and you know, mm -hmm. focusing on hypertrophy uh, for for the you know the bulk of the programming. Um, so that that allowed me to then actually, man, my my physique transformed quite a bit actually from that the time that. I hired him for my training and then, um, you know, kind of moving forward from there. Um, but over the years, you know, I've tried different splits, push, pull, legs, um, you know, uh, upper body, lower body split. I've never done like a total body split. It's not something uh -huh. that I've ever been keen to doing. I just, I don't know, everything, every time I think about it, it kind of, it makes me just like, oh, I don't feel like spending two hours, like two and a half hours in the gym, you know, doing everything. Yeah. Um, but it's not that I'm opposed to it. Um, so what I've been doing now over the last, I would say, two years is kind of a mixture of like a push-pull leg split. But at the same time, it, it's uh, it's like kind of like has a little bit of Dorian Yates kind of style involved. So it is lower volume. Um, so what we do is essentially we build up to our top sets, right? And this is how I'm able to progress. But you're making sure that your form and technique is not being compromised. So you want to make sure that your form and technique is always, always on point. You're still being able to contract the muscle fully. And you're, you're the intensity with these working sets is through the roof. You know, we're looking at RPE 10, right? You're going to failure every single time. And then from that top set, then we can back off, you know, roughly 20, 25% on the weight. And then now with this one, you're focusing even more on being able to contract the muscle. Form and technique is still super on point. Um, but you're not taking the beating because the thing is your body could only handle that maximum load for one set. It cannot, it's not able to, to, uh, match that sort of intensity and load for an additional set. So you have to be able to back off and still be able to do it. Uh, so that's how we're able to be able to keep the overall volume intact. So you're doing about two sets. And if I want to add more volume, then I would obviously add another back off set, but this allows me to progress with my training when it comes to adding additional weight to these specific lifts while still getting the, the overall volume uh, within the training. But is it uh, 
true to assume that to implement this type of training, you need a training partner because you, since you are going to fail, you need someone to help? Or can you do this by yourself? Oh, you can absolutely do it by yourself. Um, does it absolutely help to have a training partner? 100%. Because and then you can, you can literally get that extra oomph, right? So let's say if you're failing on that last rep and you're midway through, you're not able to really push it all the way by yourself, then of course your training partner is going to be able to give you that extra boost to be able to finish off that 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 rep but it doesn't mean that you can't you can't do it on your own um at the end of the day it's just whatever you have available to you within that specific you know training session you know it's like but the intensity should always be there and uh because a lot of people they have hard time and you probably have a lot of clients that think that way that uh, they are not able to push hard if they are on their own and they say well jonathan for you it's easy because you always have a training partner so what is the message that you give for these people that say, well, Jonathan, for you that have a training partner, it's always easy to push further. Yeah. I mean, I mean you not always have a training partner. No, exactly. It's not true. I don't train by, I, like, I train by myself actually a lot. So half the time I'm training alone, half the time I have a partner, um, you know, because these are the days that we have set for us to be able to get together and then the other days. So I know I make sure that the heavier days, so I do heavy load at the beginning of the week and then more volume-based load at the end of the week. So it's more like the pump workouts and then strength building workouts. Um, so during the, during the pump ones, I don't necessarily feel like I would need a training partner. Does it again, is there a benefit to it? hundred percent. Cause you're sharing energy, right? You mm -hmm. guys are giving each other that boost. You're loud and in your ear. Of course we are, you know, maybe some people aren't that way, but you know, we're, we're feeding off that energy from each other. Yeah. Um, and you know, we're, we're definitely probably going to get an extra few reps where yeah. if you're by yourself, you know, unless, unless you're, you know, somebody like ourselves, so maybe you're not going to, but it doesn't mean that the intensity isn't always going to be there. And that's what needs to be the, you know, that's what always needs to be intact is, is intensity because the, here's another thing too, is that not every workout are we going to progress, right? Mm -hmm, yep. There's going to be points that we're going to reach sticking points, but as long as you're making sure that you're giving it your all, your body doesn't know any different, right? Your body can right, still right. be able to progress over time. It's more your mind. Exactly, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. Um, when the, when you are right now at this stage uh, of your career and your physical attributes, and you start prepping, do you are you looking to a twenty weeks prep, sixteen weeks prep, or or you try to stay kind of lean all year long so that you can prep in like twelve weeks? Oh man. Um... No, I wish. I wish. Even see, like even for myself now, I'm. I'm. We did the Dexa scan and we did calipers. Uh, Dexa came in at eleven point six. Calipers came in at twelve point eight. So let's say if we're meeting right in the middle, we're about twenty and a half, twelve and a half percent body fat, which I don't think is very high. Um, but even then, I'm still I'm comfortable prepping twenty, twenty four weeks for a show. Oh really? Wow, that's yeah. a really long prep. But, well, because like I feel like. The biggest thing for me is being able to make sure that I'm maintaining every bit of muscle. I actually grow into my prep. So if you'll see my physique from the very beginning towards the end looks completely different. But I believe that it takes time for mm -hmm. us to be able to do that. And then that way, throughout this journey, I'm not I'm, I'm still able to keep the food high, which I believe is a huge component with being able to maintain muscle mass. Um, and if not build tissue, we can like I'm a big believer in the body being able to recomp itself during a process. Actually, one of the guys that I just posted on my Instagram, um, 
believe it or not, his we're we're about twelve weeks into the prep. He is the same weight from the beginning to where he is now, but his physique looks dramatically different. Like has way more musculature. Um, you know, the lines are are intact. Uh, he's pretty much almost there. Where before you can see that there was a there's a little bit of less maturity to the muscle. Um, you know, he looked flatter. But yeah, but it's just because we're able to really take our time with the prep. And the entire time, I had him eating a good amount of food. So it was like that. That's why I believe in taking our time. Um, if we rushed, but process, it, it it was always like that, or you learned that over time? Did you do the you always done 20 weeks prep, 24 weeks yeah, prep? Yeah, I or learned from my done... that. Okay. So so whenever okay, so whenever you mentioned the um, the. Uh, the uh, the prep for North Americans. I didn't do as long of a prep, and I felt like that's why my physique wasn't a hundred percent crisp on stage. Um, when I do the longer preps, so when I did the nationals in 2013, and I got tied for fifth there, and that was, I believe, my most complete physique as far as overall condition. Um, I prepped for 24 weeks. Yeah, so nationals in 2015 when I got third with Sergio and uh, and Eddie um, I prepped for 20 weeks I, I felt like I still needed a couple more weeks so that's why I do this this way but even then like I'm not gonna lie my physique back then I, I hold a much different look and I'm definitely far leaner now during these starting points than than I was back then I used to just let myself just eat eat up a storm man and get huge not in a good way <laughs> <laughs> So it's, it's what you're saying is that in the past you used to be more than 12% body fat all year long, probably. One more time, I didn't catch that. Uh, in the past, because right yeah, now oh you yeah. are 12% yeah. oh yeah. body fat. You probably were oh, 15, definitely. maybe. 100%, 100%. Um, you know, I would, in my own delusional mind, I probably thought that I was leaner. Looking back in these pictures, I definitely wasn't. I was like a poofy little, you know, Michelin. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, that's that's uh, that's amazing. Uh, one thing that is uh, interesting about your journey, um, from, at least from the past 10 years that I know you, is that I never seen any testimony or any post or anything from you about injury. It's almost like you've been training injury-free for all these years. Is that really true? You never really got any injury. Well, thank God I haven't torn any muscles. Or having anything serious happen to me, uh, but I'm not. In, I haven't stayed injury free. Uh, I've dealt with some little, you know, nagging things, um, like you know, I broke my wrist. So when, this was in uh, 2016. Was it 2000? No, 2015. Whenever I was in Thailand, so I was riding a motorbike, fell, broke my wrist. Um, that was like my first like real injury. And I'm not gonna lie, that has caused some issues over the last like six years. Um, nothing so super major, but it's like it'll throw some stuff off, right? Like for and and the reason being is like as this has healed, luckily I've been able to have full function to it. But I think psychologically and subconsciously, I'm still scared of like doing things and you know picking myself up off the ground mm. using this hand. And things like that and what that has done is is I've developed compensation patterns so through those compensation patterns for example like instead of using my hand to pick myself up sometimes I'll just 
do like this with my elbow yeah. and I'll get myself up this way because I don't want to, I'm, it's like subconsciously I become afraid of using the hand. Um, and that has actually developed some issues with the shoulder and where I actually had pulled like my trap, my rhomboid here on this side, uh, serratus muscle, I pulled the serratus muscle, pulled the lat. So although I haven't had major injuries, thank God, and I hope to keep it that way. Um, I have had some little nagging stuff that have kind of happened over time. And, and that's kind of kept me from also competing, in my opinion, over the last like few years or so. Because it's like whenever I'm ready and then this would happen, then I'm like, all right, it's time to kind of back off. Because I don't like to get into a prep without actually feeling 100%. Yeah. Uh, what do you why you think you you kept yourself so healthy uh during all these years knowing that you lift really heavy and usually when you lift heavy the likelihood that you're gonna have some sort of injury is is really high right uh, knee injury elbow whatever but what do you think is because you always focus on your form is because you always warm up you know what, what are some of the things that you do to prevent injury So those two being the main main two, for sure. Making sure that proper form and technique is always in place whenever I train. Um, you know, I, I believe that's not the number one uh, component to minimizing the risk of injury, period. Um, whew, you know, whenever I did stop like stretching and, you know, doing the little things, it's actually when I feel like these little nagging things started to happen. So, you know, I make sure that I'm warming up properly. I make sure that I take the time to do the other things. The other part that I feel like uh, plays a, a vital role is, is doing the soft tissue work, hmm. you know, going to getting massages, doing grassing and cupping and things like that. And, you know, I look at it as this being an investment towards my body and I, you know, I make sure that I go and get it done at least the bare minimum twice a month. Um, during a contest prep, I go once a week. So, you know, it's, it's obviously an expense, but I believe that it's an expense well worth it, especially whenever I feel that it makes such a huge difference with my body. My body is able to uh, recover from training, you know, a lot quick, more quicker. Um, You know, I, I, I just, you know, because you have to, like, think about it now. We're constantly contracting the muscle. It's just like this, 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 right? Mm -hmm. Everything is constantly doing this. And we're, we have to, you know, one thing that I found, especially whenever I did the big bench series with uh, Josh last year, um, and that was the most weight that I've ever pressed in my entire life, I was having to go and get grass and work done twice a week. <laughs> wow. Because, like, you know, just, yeah, because it just, I just felt the beating on my body. And the muscles being pushed, you know, to a whole nother level that has never been pushed to. Uh, I needed to make sure that something was being done to counter out, counterbalance all the contracting and, you know, the, the building. You're going to really build like these different knots and things and, you know, adhesions within the tissue that need to be worked out. It's like, think about it, like when the lactic acid and stuff kind of gets caught up in the muscle, it, it almost like creates like a glue-like effect where it's not allowing the muscle to stay separated soft. It should always be soft to the touch. Although we're hard and dense, you know, as far as like the overall look, it should still remain pliable. If it starts getting too like rock hard, then you start seeing these guys start, you know, tearing things. No, it makes total sense. Yeah, that's a very good point. But f over the years, 
there were a lot of skepticism mainly from the bodybuilding community about stretching a lot of bodybuilders said oh don't stretch before workout is gonna you know make your lifts not so heavy or things like that what is your take on that it was all uh, 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 bro science or over the years we really evolved to do more stretching and now it's more acceptable yeah. Uh, so definitely prior to your training, you want to do more dynamic dynamic work. So dynamic work is you're still kind of uh, being able to elongate the muscle and work through some sort of stretching in, in, in a way, but you're moving in, in planes that would be at, like that would apply to whatever it is that you're going to be doing to the training. Right, so not static work. Give it a give so an now, give an example. For example, if I'm going to work like okay. a chest, what should what should I do yeah. prior to the lift? Okay, so like for chest, for example, actually, you know, before any upper body uh, work that I do, I'll actually do some band work. So I'll go over, uh, over and backs with the band. So I'll take like a, either a red band or a green band, something that's you know that's got some resistance, but nothing too crazy move through it and then I do this thing what I call around the world so I'll actually go here pull through one side bring it back and then I'll do these rotations 10 times over uh, we'll do some pull-ups on the um, on the uh, not not just free free pull-ups but the assisted pull-up machine yes. so that way I'm able to just straighten it you know it's not like I'm trying to focus and work the body so so much and then I'll superset that with some dips and then I'll do that for like three or four sets, just allow everything to kind of get warmed up and, you know, just get the joints ready. And then um, for for dumbbells, I'll take some light dumbbells. I'll do what they call IYT raise. Um, so we'll work through different planes. I'm laying on an inclined bench, ring up the scapula, come here, you know, work through this phase, work through this plane, work through this plane, and just work, you know, kind of just trying to work and move the shoulder around, you know, through different positions so that it's warmed up all the way through. Uh, so that takes usually like 20 minutes, you know, prior to my training session. That's before I get into even some of the warm up sets, right? Mm -hmm. So the feeder sets moving forward, it's like start off low. Let's say, for example, I'm starting off with an incline uh, dumbbell press. I start off with 50 pounds, feel the stretch, contract as slow feel the stretch do a few reps there increase 20 pounds do the same thing i'm not exhausting the muscle by any means but i'm getting the body ready for the heavier load moving forward yeah. right so i'm not necessarily wasting any reps because i'm not doing a lot because i already know where that top set is going to be from the previous week but you are doing but, but you are putting you allow your body to, to, to yeah, warm up to and, and have the blood flow on that area exactly and then same thing with legs for example with leg day, I don't do any static movement, but like I'll take a, a kettlebell and then I'll sit, you know, sit in there and move back and forth, right? Move from one side or the other, open up the groins, and then I'll do what I call stretch lunges. Go through, I'll do a big step on the lunge, make sure that I'm stretching everything, stretching the quad, the hip flexor on this side, stretching the hamstring on the opposite side get up and then go back and forth do three four sets of that um you know and then move into the compound movement and do warm-up sets leading into there you know so this takes time yeah but i believe it makes a huge difference with how your body's going to be able to respond and recover you know from each training session do you also do after the training any stretching after training then we can do some static stretching okay so yeah, you're already done loading the muscle, putting it through a beating, 
then we can, you know, go in and actually hold some stretches. Uh, some people say, like you, you know, you mentioned, some people say that it doesn't necessarily do anything. Um, but I, you know, I've seen a mixture of both. Mm-hmm. You know, I follow some pages on IG that are strictly about, you know, you know, doing doing stretching and stuff, and I can't discount the, you know, the the studies and the information that they're putting out yeah. either. So I don't believe that it doesn't have any sort of benefit whatsoever. And I don't see why we shouldn't do it. I mean, it's just take an extra 10, 15 minutes a day to do it. I feel like it definitely makes a big difference. Yeah. And also it, it does make a difference uh, a lot. I've, I started doing that since I started doing uh, jujitsu because you have to do a lot of uh, uh, searching for jujitsu and uh, definitely it, it helps. Uh, and I believe it also helps exactly. to prevent injury uh, as well. 100%. 100%. Yeah, so that's totally. uh, that's uh, uh, a important point to clarify because, as I said, for the past ten years, thank God you've been extremely healthy and no uh, major injury. And I know how heavy you lift, and sometimes mm-hmm. I'm like, wow, that that guy is a beast. I mean, the amount of weight that you put sometimes in some exercises. You you post a couple of weeks ago uh, some bench press. Uh, I think it was two hundred yeah. pounds dumbbell. It was a two hundred pound dumbbell. Uh, no, 180s, but I got them for 10 reps. So. Yeah, that was great. Uh, yeah, perfect. I'm working on getting to 200. Yeah, perfect form, which is but more yeah, important. You know, Josh and I, we got up to, yeah, we got up to 575 flat bench uh, for, for a top, which is, you know, we were able to build my bench 125 pounds in 12 weeks. Wow. It was, it was pretty, pretty crazy. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. That's awesome. Okay. Now that we talk about uh, the training and we start talking about recovery, <sighs> From the recovery perspective, Jonathan, um, how is? I know that this will vary according to each person, but uh, in your opinion, what is the sweet spot for sleeping? Is six hours, eight hours? It depends on each person. For you, is more, but you know people that is less. Do you believe in power naps that help throughout the day? How, what's your take on that? <laughs> I love this. I love this. Um, you know, it's funny that we're, we're even mentioning this. Um, I truly believe that, you know, there's, I feel like the body will tell you what the optimal amount is. Um, I, cause if you over, let's say for example, if you oversleep whenever your body's wanting to wake up, then a lot of times you actually end up being tired. Exactly. That happened day. to me. Yeah. Right? I hate to oversleep because I wake up actually tired. Yeah. So I believe there's definitely a sweet spot, man. For me, though, I like I I won't compromise my sleep. So if I end up going to bed quite late, then I'm just gonna wake up later the next day. Like I don't, you know. Luckily, God has given me the ability to be able to work on my own schedule. You know, praise praise the Lord. So it's like, but I usually average, you know, between seven and a half eight hours of sleep per day. And I know that if I'm missing sleep, my body does not it does not function the same way it does not progress in the same way and i definitely know that i'm not recovering as well either but don't you have like a biological clock because at least to me in regardless of what time i go to bed it's 5 a.m i'm gonna be waking up 5 a.m no matter what even if i go to bed at midnight just because my body immediately wakes me up yeah um, I, I felt like I used to be that way, but I'm not going to lie over the last couple of months, my, cause I've been training with Joe, Joe trains super late and you know, I live an hour away from the gym. 
So by the time we get done with the training and cardio, it's 11.30 here. And I have an hour drive to go home. I get home around 12.30. I probably end up eating my last meal around 1.30 before I go to bed. Wow. <laughs> and so it's completely thrown my my yeah my circadian rhythm off but uh but I, again i just i i realized i'm like you know what it's just gonna be a sacrifice that i'm gonna make for the meantime of course uh and i've been waking up a little bit later i've been waking up around nine ish um hell some days man like i end up because i end up having a lot of work to do before bed i don't go to bed till 3 30 in the morning wow you know because it's crazy. like I, I, I used to tell myself like i'll just wake up early and do it but then i'm like nah i just i feel unaccomplished if i don't get it done before i sleep so i just like i have to knock it out of the you know out of the plan and and get that get that these things finished and and yeah i just and then those days i end up breaking waking up at 10 30 you know um did you have it's did you have a lot of difficulties to adjust when you were traveling maybe before the covid because you were traveling a lot oh, jet lag probably threw you off a lot of times oh heck yeah absolutely so even whenever i was i was in denmark here recently uh it took me like three days to like be back get to normal like i remember the first couple of days i could not stop sleeping my body and it's weird <laughs> how this happens but I was just like, I just can't get up. I am exhausted. I'm, I can't figure out what times I need to actually go to sleep. Um, you know, and then I'm, I'd be waking up at, shoot. In the middle of the <sighs> night, right? Four, four in the morning, yeah. you know, and I'm like ready to go. But, you know, summertime's in Denmark. It's four in the morning. The sun is bright out, you know, so it's like it can actually mess with you a little bit. Um Wow. Yeah, I was actually struggling a lot to, to get sleep out there. Yeah, jet lag is uh, something that uh, it uh, always uh, had problems as well when I, I, I was traveling to Israel. Um, but my strategy was as soon as I landed there, I landed there, probably it was already nighttime in America. I just kept going until it was nighttime there yeah. so I could sleep, right? So that was my way yeah. to force myself to adjust. You yeah. Know. I do the same. I do the same. Get a get a get a coffee because not a lot of times it's um, you know, uh, red eye flights. So you're traveling. You get there in the morning, um, and absolutely, absolutely. But still, it was like it was weird. It would still take my body a couple of days to, you know, to get fully acclimated to the new time time zone. Yeah. Jonathan, uh, one of the things that I'd like to to cover uh, also is uh, is. Because we touched this right in the beginning of the the the, the podcast, which is uh, mindset, uh, and you said something that I truly believe as well. You said uh, most of the things are mental. Uh, how much of this mental game do you do you see playing around? Mainly during prep time, that you are hungry, that you are, you know, you 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 miss the sweets, for example. How do you you think that the mental game is important? It's like sixty percent, seventy percent, you know, one hundred percent, hundred percent, hundred percent. Really? Uh, no, no, no doubt about it. Because uh, if your mind isn't there, you're gonna you're gonna fail, and you're gonna give up. Um, you know, especially when it comes to what we're doing. You know, getting ready to push your body to a level that it's not meant to be at. You know, it's not normal for us to be at three, four percent body fat and literally have no, no subcutaneous fat around the body. Like you're going to be hungry, 
You're going to be tired. Your your body literally has no reserve energy left in the tank. So it's like whatever it is that we give is what it's running through, you know, as far as overall fuel. And once that's done, you know, you're going to feel it. You know, you're going to be exhausted. Um, and you have to accept that feeling. You have to understand that it's a part of the process. And if you can't, if you continue to give in and cheat on your diet or, you know, skip workouts because, you know, whatever excuse you want to give yourself – then you're not going to get the result that you're looking for. Yeah, you have to be ready to be hungry. You have to be ready to be exhausted. Um, these are two aspects, and of course, you still have to be able to get into the gym and give it your all. That's true. That's very true. Yeah, my, my mindset is very important. Uh, but you, you said something important is not, <laughs> and I love this. It's not normal to be three percent body fat all year long. <laughs> Is a stage that you uh, want to accomplish probably for a couple of days and then you're going to rebound. Now, this rebound process, sometimes people exaggerate, right? And then one week after the show, they are all bloated and they, they look like worse than they were before. How is your strategy to rebound? Great. Oh, amazing question. So what ends up happening is people lose control of themselves. Um, you know, and I get it. You, you've been depleted. Uh, you've basically starved yourself, you know, to a degree. If we're looking at it from just a physiological level, your body is being starved. Um, and it wants food. It wants to reach homeostasis and, you know, and, and reach that bit of equilibrium of where it's used to being. You know, we need a little bit of fat in our body. But what is happening is it's like, you know, some people just lose control. They, they become ravenous. They, they can't stop eating. And the body's just from every almost position, it's it's kind of thrown out of whack, right? Because especially when you've depleted yourself, you've uh, dehydrated the body, your body is electrolyte balance is, you know, is completely thrown off. You have to be able to rehydrate the body first, make sure that that aspect is taken care of, and you need to get right back on your diet so that you're not storing a bunch of unnecessary weight. Um, and just make sure that your body is flushing itself properly. Uh, and then from there, then we can start increasing the the, the food again, mm -hmm. backtracking from the cardio. Uh, you know, I don't necessarily believe in in reversing per se. I believe that we can actually boost ourselves back up to your current new main, uh, maintenance maintenance calories. Yeah, a lot of people a lot of people use this term reverse dieting. So you don't believe on that? Yeah, not necessarily. Um, I, I don't because I mean, if you just like bump up just a tad, you're still in deficit. We need to get you back up to maintenance. Get your body you know, uh, is hormones and stuff kind of getting in check, you're not going to get fat, right? Because if we're looking at just from from where you are as from like BMR and such, you should be able to kind of just still remain balanced there. You're going to gain a little bit of extra weight just from water, your body being able to retain the glycogen again, uh, these other aspects of things. But it shouldn't it shouldn't spill you over, right? Mm -hmm. What people end up spilling over is when they just start eating a bunch of bull, just a bunch of crap, yep. right? Mixture of high fat, high carb, and a lot of sodium. That is a recipe for disaster. It's going to throw your body off completely. So you got to make sure that whatever it is you're providing your body is good quality nutrients. And then you're slowly being able to reintroduce things over time so that you don't blow, you don't blow everything. like. So that. this, uh, we are talking about at least four weeks post-show to do this rebound. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, it's going to take some time. Like, because you should you should be a fresher 
version of yourself, maybe with a couple percentage extra body fat on, but you shouldn't look like like you as if you didn't work out and prep for a show for you know for the last yeah because there is a lot of coaches they actually use this rebound to make gains during the rebound because you are already in the lean mass state so let's use this momentum to continue to build right absolutely yeah of course and it should but it should be done the right way right you shouldn't gain 50 pounds on the scale. If you do, the, man, you know how many health complications you can cause? Mm-hmm. You see guys end up in the hospital with heart problems, kidney problems, because your body just can't filter all of this. It's impossible, and it's like, and it's, it's ext- extremely dangerous. You do it the right way, your body stays healthy, everything is flowing, um, and that's where you want it. You want to make sure that you're keeping everything right. I've made the mistake of blowing up, you know, because I had no idea. No one told me about this. I had to experience it for myself going from you know one weight on stage and then gaining 50 pounds feeling like absolute crap couldn't put on my clothes you know i didn't know that this was did, did you say 50 pounds oh yeah you, you gained 50 50 pounds post show in how many weeks <laughs> in like two weeks wow that's yeah. a lot yeah because i mean you know it's like i'm just going out to eat i'm hitting up buffets and stuff, you know, it's like being stupid, being reckless, you know, where, because again, no, you, I didn't, I'm, you know, of course in my mind, you're not able to gain that much fat over, you know, such a short time frame. but by doing that, you're literally, you're, you're giving your body nothing to truly fuel itself and just, it's just going to go haywire. Yeah. And we see this and time. And a lot of sodium, a lot of sodium too. Exactly. Exactly. Your body doesn't know what to do with it. Yeah, well, that's super dangerous. Uh, uh, I, I've seen uh, some horrible rebounds, um, and uh, it's it's a it's a complicated way to 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 come back and to equalize again and start making some gains. Uh, so that's why I think that when people say reverse diet, it's not really reverse, as you said, it's not really a reverse diet. It's more the readjustment and then use exactly. that as your new baseline moving forward. Yeah, yeah, because I don't like for me, like I'm not looking to bulk anybody. Like in being in some in, in a huge excess of calories above maintenance. I believe that just being even slightly above maintenance is more than enough. You know, you can keep the physique very lean and your body will continue to recomp itself. You're actually gonna continue to improve itself over time. It is funny though that in the nineties bulking was super normal, right? You see pictures of right. uh uh, Lee Priest on the, on the bulking phase, you know, or even Dorian Yates on the bulking phase. I mean, those guys were gigantic, fat. Yeah. Oh, over 300 pounds, um, massive loot. And it, see, they'd have to lose, you know, 60, 70, 80 pounds to get in shape. Yeah. It's crazy. For what? You know, it's your, you're, you're literally going to give your, your body kidney failure. You know, it's like, because think about it, you're, your body's having to shuffle, just shuttle all that nutrients out. You're probably breaking down a ton of protein in the process too. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, that's good. That's a that's a I I prefer nowadays, and and probably that's the reason why I like a lot uh, the class physique because most of the time the class physique guys they stay lean all year long. Uh, yeah. Bodybuilders they still using a little bit of this off season to to bulk a little bit, but class physique those guys are I think it's uh, very very. L- you know lean all year long because they just cannot grow that much anyway right exactly they can't afford to add the extra pounds 
uh, they have to stay within a specific weight class. You know, for, for me, I've been super heavyweight for so long, you know, that uh, it's not about me really, really trying to reach or, you know, reach a certain weight per se. It's just the look, you know, which I prefer. I prefer to just focus on the look because then that way I'm just, you know, I'm just putting in the work. So what is your, your stage weight? For example, in 2018, what was your stage weight? So 2018, I actually sucked down to be a heavyweight. Um, my body was completely stressed out and it looked like it, right? Like I just didn't have, like, although, because a week prior to me going to Vegas, uh, my skin was super thin, vascularity all the way through, but I lost it all whenever I got there. And it was like I had this just film of water everywhere that wouldn't go away. And I had to go sit in a sauna, damn near killing myself to get down, uh, to, you know, to, to work my way down. So I weighed in around 223. But on stage, I was at like 235. Did, did, you, know, you, ever um, think, just, did you ever think about uh, dropping to the 212 class? No, it's just impossible. It's impossible. <laughs> I, 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 I'm, yeah. I, I'm just too big now. Like, uh, my physique doesn't look like if... The more I try to push my body, the worse it looks. Like it's better for me to be able to stay fuller and just, you know, wherever I come in and I'm and I'm completely peeled is where I need to stay. So you you don't have really a target as far as weight. Nah, so like whenever we did my body fat, let's say if I'm at zero percent body fat, I would weigh around two forty. So obviously that's not the case. We're still gonna have a couple couple you know percentage left over but I, we want to be fat free on the on the outside i would say let's say if i end up losing even a little bit of muscle leading into the prep if i weigh in at my height just under 5'9 at 240 245 like that's that's quality physique that's a pro level physique and that's 15 pounds more than you were in 2018 yeah exactly yeah exactly but see even Whenever I did the USA's in 2016, I weighed in at 240. Mm. But what I would like to maybe possibly theoretically be the same weight, but have a totally different look, be a lot harder, grainier, you know, fuller. Awesome. Well, uh, Jonathan, thank you very much uh, for your time today. I know that you just got uh, done with your workout. Great conversation, great insights. Uh, really looking forward to see Jonathan 2021 on stage to see uh, what you're going to bring I know that you're going to bring great things uh, based on yes, what you're doing now uh, preparing for that so I'm looking forward to that I appreciate you brother, thank you so much for having me on alright, thank you all uh, and uh, stay tuned on Overcome we're going to have way more things to you see you next time